0: Harness Racing, Victoria Wide, RSN 927 is Talking Trots. Good morning and welcome to Talking Trots on this Saturday, May 25. I'm joined by Blake Redden in the uh, studios of RSN 927. How are you, Bakes? Yeah, good, uh, Bon. We got the election all wrong last week, so I don't know we'll make any po- political uh, predictions going forward, but... Yeah, well, I mean, at we didn't, the,
1: actually, we just—I
0: uh... can't actually recall the conversation. A week's a long time in footy and racing, um, yeah. and life. But I will say this: the pollsters, really, we could have a bad day on the tip every now and then. <laughs> but They are having an absolute Barry Crocker worldwide. Yep. it's at the point where you you, you pull the plug, don't you? Want just about?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's quite. I think the chat has been that maybe the way that the polls are done are, are no longer reflective of. They
0: reckon the, they reckon there's a bloke at Griffith University just to digress who's tipped who tipped Trump Brexit and also ScoMo. Yeah, but I mean that's just picking a picking a horse and sticking to it, isn't it? No, nah, he's got a th- there's a full theory behind it. So okay. it's it's got to do with social media, but he, he's got a, he's got a bunch of different KPIs that he works with. Interesting, and he's tipped a lot. Can he tip a winner at Tabcourt Park Mountain tonight? We don't have him on the line, unfortunately, but that's our bad. Um, we better go through some of the things that have affected harness racing and not politics over the last seven days. Kick us off. I think we start with uh, the Queen of the City. Obviously, the Group 1 last weekend, the feature
1: race, and Pistol Abbey, she arrived uh, in time. I guess the race was sort of put on for her, uh, but she's a horse that just does the job. She puts her head down, she has a turn of foot, and... Uh, and it played out perfectly for her.
0: This this was a bigger blowout than the ALP winning the uh, federal election or whatever. Well, it was much bigger blowout, wasn't it? We're talking four fifty six dollars at best against a fifty to one shot. The trifecta, all massive odds. Uh, I've got a really critical question for you here, Dan Malecki, the great Dan Malecki, uh, my favourite race caller in uh, in Australia. He absolutely loved the race. I reckon you did too. But I just want to ask you the question: brutally run unusually run race, 27.9 second, first quarter of the final mile, were you, A, did you have any skin in the game? And B, did you think it was a good race for harness racing or a bad race for harness racing? Good because it was so competitive and frenetic, and I guess a little bit of a taste back of the old days, or bad because it was so terribly unpredictable that most punters would have done their chiminda fast? <laughs> um well I don't think if I had a bet it was insignificant um
1: riding through the card so I can't I can't recall uh, exactly but I'll say I wasn't financially invested the one thing I will say is that yes I enjoyed the race and yes I thought it was really good for the sport because it was such an exciting race and the thing the thing that I think it leads to is that it doesn't it's not going to be every time I think it just has to be one in ten one in fifteen even mm. maybe less maybe one in one in eight one in ten over the staying trip if you can get races like that so you have your your normal Sort of races going week in week out, but every every few, every five or ten, you get a an exciting race. I thought it was. I mean, I don't
0: know why you wouldn't have loved
1: it, apart from losing money.
0: Uh, I just be, I, I just feel that there's. I look at the end of the day, I was really really happy for connections. I I lo- personally I did love the race as a spectacle, and I would like more exactly more, more than one in ten or one in fifteen. Really, I, I would like that race to be run. Virtually every time at the top level. So why are you nervous? Why do you seem un- unsure about it? I'm not nervous. I'm just, there's no nerves. Uh, I, I'm When when races are run the same way 90 to 95% of the time, and then they run a completely different way, like totally turned on their head to the point where the 50 to 1 chances not only win the race, but yeah. run second and third as well. Yeah. I mean, you really see that even in thoroughbreds. You really see 50 to 1, horses running first, second and third. That means that... The race turned from something you can do form on to a raffle really for educated punters and I wonder this push pull always so very good for the game because people who are tuning into sky who don't know much about harness racing thought how good's this this yes. is unbelievable yeah. to watch look at them attack each other and the people who are you know in any way have even even uh, even a, a very you know Superficial amount of understanding about the sport would have thought, well, that was just that was just total insanity what I just watched.
1: Yeah, yeah, but insanity. If
0: you did it regularly, then yeah. those horses wouldn't pay fifty to one because you'd have True. exposed form about that a horse like Pistol Abbey. We knew she was very good at following speed, but yeah. that was an, that was next level stuff. Being able to follow that kind of tempo, just peel off them and still maintain the turn of speed that she shows in slower run races. If we knew yeah. that about yeah. her, you know, she wouldn't pay fifty to one. True, I think Cody Wendell might have found her, but. Uh, the one thing I was, was... a little bit like yeah. a few weeks ago when I tipped the Bostonian. About five people seemed to find Pistol Abbey after the... I think Codes definitely yeah. was before. Yeah. But there were a few people, I reckon, who were yeah. wrong. Uh, the one that, probably a couple
1: of addendums to this. I think, and we'll we probably need to move on soon, but there are a couple of people that may have driven their horses differently if they knew how it was all going to pan out. I mean, and this is not to, of to, course, to knock anyone. No, but,
0: but Of course. It's, that's, you can't know how it's going to pan out, can you? True, but I think...
1: Horses like Miss Graceland and Reciprocity probably would have ceded their advantage a little earlier. Um, You know, may have hurt their chances. But, you know, it is what it is. I liked the race. I thought it was really exciting. And... tell you
0: what hurt the worst when we loaded up all in in the last <laughs> race at, at the Pundits Club at Tabcourt Park on Pistol Abbey and got uh, beaten by Gillaby and Madonna. But that, we moved forward. That was really upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Savannah JJ sticks his neck out for Stan and Herb. This was the story of the night for mine by a long way. Stan Cameron and James Herbison both recording their first group ones at very different stages of their careers. <laughs> How Stan Cameron can get Savannah JJ Uh Fit enough and competitive enough to be winning Group One races with such a small operation is an absolute. He, he, he's a very, very, very good horseman, and James Herbertson has just clicked with this horse, Savannah JJ. Newcart probably didn't hurt either, but um, he's absolutely in the zone. And that was just something that I don't think many people thought Savannah JJ could do: is lead and win at that level over that trip. So, well, under both of them and yeah, the horse. Yeah, indeed.
1: Uh, the thing about the horse is that he's always probably been a bit of a big duffer and you know, a learning type, but he, he genuinely attacked the line. He was, Red Hot Tooth had every right to run past him. Correct. And he stuck his neck out, so a uh, huge effort from Stan to get him to that point in his career where he's sort of taken him pretty slowly and developed him, and I think he was in the same uh, Vic Bread series as I'm a Menace. They both debuted on the in the same race right. at Maryborough, and, and both ran eye catchers. so he's, um, he's been a work in progress for a long time, but, uh, yeah, and for James Herbertson again, um, you know, this is in, in no way disrespectful, but you know, It's taken a while probably for James to find his feet at the metropolitan level. He's sort of uh, driven well in the country and, and looking for opportunities, but I think as a driver he's improved out of sight in the last six or 12 months.
0: Well, he's only 19 as well, yeah, so exactly. uh, it, it, takes, uh, it takes a few a bit longer. Jackson, me, driven to perfection for maiden group one. The Iceman, uh, this might give up in driver of, drive of the week just about, just uh, from behind the, well, inside the second row, zipped around, was able to push through, navigate a gap, find the front and from there. Um, I know he's two-year-old trotter, but you could have gone and made yourself a cup of tea, I reckon, and known you were going to collect in your account.
1: Yep. I reckon we might have read this relatively similarly. We'll talk about the, the boys in a second, but I actually think this form line will stand up okay. They, they don't generally, the homegrown classics, but I think the three fillies um, that come through this race, Roblin, Dancer, Jackson, me, and, and The Best Dream, I think they've all got pretty
0: bright futures. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Uh, fourth point, is that a bit too good for his home run classic rival? So this was running slightly quicker time. I'd be slightly more dubious that yep. the boys will stand up um, going forward, but Andover Sun, I think, will. Yes. Obviously, he made the mistake early, which crueled who uh, were already on their knees at the Tabcourt Park on <laughs> Saturday night. But great job from Mick Hughes. He knows how to deal with a young trotter. He's had um, several exceptional young square gators, including, of course, cruising around. But... Um, It was a good win and another very good drive this time from Zach Phillips.
1: Yeah, I think if you could take one or two horses from the race, it would probably be Endover Sun and I'm Daddy Woolbucks, but at the same time... You know, you can't really knock what the horse has done. He, he's won a Group 1 at, at um, you know, the very early part of his career, so he might prove us wrong and go on and, and win a couple more. Who knows?
0: Princess Tiffany takes New Zealand Oaks in vintage year. Um, the top three home rule, absolutely ablaze. Caleb Marie second. Bella Montana, I thought her run was still very, very, very good, but I think potentially what it proved is that when Princess Tiffany's absolutely deep in the zone, she probably is the best more than for any other reason because she's able to do so much work in her races and still sort of explode away and have have a devastating turn of speed at the finish where Belle of Montana, to this stage at least, has been best known as a horse who's got that electrifying, dazzling, paralyzing sprint but needs to be called up to produce it.
1: Yeah, yeah, no arguments there. I think uh, you're our New Zealand man. You're heading over to the Jewels, aren't you, shortly?
0: I am going to head over to the Jewels. Really looking forward to that. Um, Magnificent fields. Unfortunately, I, I think that it's a good Australian set of horses we've sent over. When you look at the prices for them, I think most of them are too short in their respective markets. Major occasion is probably the only one I could see potentially striking a blow. I'm not sure any of the others will be, but um, it's wonderful to all have... All cashed up? Yeah, no, I could say Too strong, yeah. Yeah, I mean, enhancer calms and not... Yep. I mean, yeah, I don't think all cashed up will be winning. I think if uh, Alpha Male had gone over there, it might have been a different story, but unfortunately he had the setback... Time for our little special uh, segments of the show before we get on to the form content for Tabcourt Park Melton tonight. Runs of the week. If you got something for us, folks? You can start. I'll go second. You go third. Oh, we're going to do it that way, are we? Yeah, we are. All
1: right. I'm going to go uh, for one point. I thought No City Chicks win at Stall during the week was outstanding. Not only... I, I know it wasn't the strongest race of all time, but um, put them away very quickly. So uh, one point for Calvin Barker, Glenn Craven, and No City Chick.
0: I'm going to go... Two votes for a horse who didn't win on Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton, but I reckon will be winning tonight, and his name is Rishi. Enormous performance. He was absolutely dropped at a twenty-seven point two second uh, third quarter in the final race at Tabcorp Park on Saturday night, then rallied, going almost as quickly in twenty-seven point nine, and gave post poster boy and those who invested huge money at a dollar and four cents one hell of a scared to be beaten half a neck. No horse. He's going better than him at that level at the moment in Victoria, I reckon he'll get his just desserts tonight. Three votes from you, Bakes?
1: Uh, three votes from me from Stars by the Beach, who won at Shepparton. Way back on Monday, uh, he's obviously a real, she's really nice horse. Obviously, going forward, she found her right race and she absolutely dominated them.
0: We've spoken about Gavin Lane, Chris Alford, David Moran ha- had a couple of winners. Jimmy Herbertson on, the, on Saturday night. Shannon O'Sullivan's had a good week and was on one out one back. I heard with uh, Cody and Toby only a couple of days ago and it's Cody and Toby, Cody and Toby, Toby and Cody, Toby and Kobe. How um, good's Toadie? How good's Neighbours? Uh, I, I unfortunately do catch it every now and then these I days don't. again. Who's your driver of the week? Uh,
1: I think we'll go with Gavin for that that spectacular drive on Jackson. and me.
0: All right, that's the first half of Talking Trots, all taken care of. When we return, we're going to find you the majority of the winners at Victorian Harness Headquarters this evening. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is Talking Trots.
1: We are talking trots. We're back on this Saturday morning. We had a dreary morning yesterday. I wonder what today might hold for us, bon. Uh That's really inconsequential, though. We need to find 11 winners at Tabcorp Park Melton tonight. The first is the Empire Stones Vic Bread Platinum Homegrown. Oh, it's not. It's the Metropolitan Pace First Heat. And it is for the Metropolitan Maiden. Shining Oro
0: has drawn well and looks the horse to beat. I think so. Um, funny horse because she's got good gauge speed. And actually, when she uses it, and uses it effectively, she wins. But, uh, How does the
1: emergency getting run affect
0: things? It does affect things significantly. Um, is she better not being on the inside or, or, or not? Or shining auro? Yeah. I think the only thing is she could probably protect the space a little bit better now. You, if you can visualise in your mind sometimes when, there's, when you're not overly quick and there's one that's got okay speed to your inside, that sort of sets up a situation where one can ping you from out wider. A little bit more readily, but um, I still think that she'll probably lead. Some Beach Shadow's got good gate speed without being devastating as well. Uh, Micro Meteor's quick, but the fact that it's drawn directly outside Some Beach Shadow probably makes it hard for uh, for him to cross. And then, regardless, I've got a funny feeling they might go back at the start, even though he typically does go forward in his races because drawn wide in the front line on a front row with good. Uh, early toe means you know you're probably going to get yourself into an awkward situation if you go forward with too much intent. I settled on two, five, nine, and one. Now, Shining Auro has been tackling inferior opposition but did win a couple of starts back over the short trip in sub 153 at Maryborough. Now, that's not easy to do. Um, you used up at the start and the finish of her race. I think if she's able to find the front here and dictate terms even a little bit, then she's the one to beat. The one with the best form lines is certainly. Uh, some beat Shadow Fourth in the Country Club's Championship final Behind Jalibi Chevy last start Was fifth in the Melton Plate Behind Duke of Wellington I mean his form Lines are exceptional And he in many Ways seems like The kind of horse Who could just Turn up into a Metropolitan Maiden Series and just Sweep it But he's Tactically a little bit strange because if he gets caught parked here or um, if he rolls forward and they go too slow, he can be vulnerable. I think even though his record says he's a good short-course horse, he he appeals to me as a horse who would be better over a trip at this level. Kasbah, kids, the only other winning chance for mine... Was slightly disappointing last time out, but at his very best, he's a high-quality animal, and I have thrown the emergency man today in for fourth, gets that gun run. We reckon behind Shining Oro in transit. Any thoughts from you, two, five, nine, and one from me?
1: No, I'll let uh, let you control race one. Race two on the card is the hero claiming pace... Over the sprint trip, we see something a little different here. Our Sir Ivanhoe draws a barrier for the first time in a long time, drawing the pole with Gusto, your likely leader. Is Crazy Dave
0: just the class, though? Well, that's because he's in for $5,000, uh, our Sir Ivanhoe. It's hard to say Crazy Dave's the class. David Aiken's done, um, uh, you know, a magnificent job, as he does with so many horses. He recruits these horses, and particularly, you know, Luke Stoke, he goes out and, and uh, buys his claims, particularly these days, and then David Aiken takes over the training, and they improve significantly. Crazy Dave always was a nice horse going back to you know, many years ago, but uh, he's come back here a couple of wins, two wins from three runs with Aiki Rolls forward here, has been behind the leader at both those wins. He did plenty
1: of work last week. He did, but he still ended up behind the leader.
0: Um, Here, he won't end up on the pegs, and we know that's an imposition, particularly over the short at Melton. So he's my on-top selection, but I think he's, you know, it's a slightly stiffer test. DK's dollar creates great interest um, for a variety of reasons, has been racing uh, in New South Wales and has been dashing home really nicely from back in the field, at type called Parkman Angle. There's a chance here, because of the circumstances of the race, that he might end up behind the leader. But I think he'll probably be three poles. If he's behind the leader, I think he's probably the one to beat. If he's three poles and with Gusto's in front, because with Gusto normally leads in his races, then things are a little tougher for him, but three poles, not the worst place to be at Tabcourt Park Melton. Arthur Lowe was really good beating a slightly easier field, than this three starts back here in one fifty four five and gets into this race okay, but with a couple of um, new contenders, so to speak, it might make life hard. Our survivor, no, goes in for fourth for the very reasons that you mentioned. Pole marking draw for the first time in a long time is going to be very helpful, and with Gusto, he's lost that ping in his legs. There's no doubt about that, but he rolls forward here, and if he does find the front, as always... They've got to run him down 5, 8, 6, and 1 in the second.
1: Race 3 on the card is the DNR Logistics Pace Final C2 to C3, worth $10,000. $10, we already have the pole marker out, Rox Roy and, and the Emergency Valentina Brave, perhaps a few more to come out with a couple of dominant favourites, Watch List and Wardan Delight.
0: I was fortunate enough um, to speak with Matty Lenigan on radio. On Thursday, on winners on this very station, RSN 927, who works with Jeff Britton and Angela Langton, of course, um, champion dog trainers, and uh, he's in the ownership of Watchlist with so many of those Adelaide Crow players. Do you reckon Mick Hurley gets upset when we keep calling this the Adelaide Crow's horse, by the way? I don't think I do. As well. You might, but... I don't know. I just... I don't know. <laughs> Matty McClellan's involved too, affected JJ fame, but Tex Walker, the Crouch Boys, Josh Jenkins, uh, among the Adelaide Crow's players involved in Watchlist, and I think they'll have something to celebrate here because... Josh, a
1: bit unlucky this week. kick five in the sandful.
0: Yep. I think most people thought he'd get a, a recall, but it just wasn't to be. The best horse in the race, who is it? Is it Watchlist or Ward Delight? I reckon on weights and balances, Ward is probably more proven. Uh, and I would say that Ward Enderlight's. They're very like... different horses, aren't they? Well, they are. Ward and Delight... Can't do a lot of work in his races, probably, and he's got a devastating turn of speed. Watchlist is better being up on the tempo somewhere, even if his best win in the big Size Classic was from behind the leader. I think he rolls forward here, and if he catches a breather, Watchlist should make it five wins in succession and complete that picket fence form line. The chief danger is a lot, We won't have these races from July 1, will we, really? Well... It's it's a race where a couple of three-year-olds have been pitchforked in, and they should dominate the race on class. Um... If Ward and Delight, if Dean Braun... That was only Ward and Delight's first run back from Tasmania. Uh, it was a disappointing performance by his standards, but uh, I've got a funny feeling he, he might be able to be turned around. And the very best of Ward and Delight, I think, was to win the race. He was um, about three and a half metres off Max Delight in that one fifty-one and change uh, New South Wales derby final. In for third LTR, isn't he? Racing well at the moment again. She? She. I reckon it's she, actually, you're right. And, and gets 10, the pole now. Yep, gets the pole, no rocks, Roy. And Sumerian Artist is a horse with stacks of ability. If somehow... He could go as quickly around Turners as he went uh, Turners around corners as he does on the straight uh, on the straight and narrow. Then, look, he'd be a very very that? very good horse, Samirian. Yeah, artist. yep. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And the fact that he's likely to be pratted three what at some point here probably doesn't help the issue either. Three nine two and ten. My numbers in the third. The Group Two Empire Stallions Vic Bread Homegrown Classic for the Colts and
1: Geldings two-year-old paces. Uh, we've got some very very nice horses here. Pandering without the ta. Uh, also Beale Street and Miragon potential favourite from
0: White on the second line. Gotta be favourite Marragon. Um she's pandering's pretty handy. Well Miragon owned it in the qualifier for mm. this series. Um delayed qualifiers as we know, due to the wash yet. Um At Kilmore, Miragon was heavily back late and was too good for pandering. Kowalski analysis was very, very good in the same race, and if it was in the same position, give it a massive hope, but won't be, you wouldn't have thought. Pandering does look the leader here. Without the tar, will come out on roller skates as well, I reckon, but if pandering finds a front, then without the tar, goes forward early. Beale Street gets caught in an awkward position. Miragon whips around, occupies the breeze. And really, on the evidence that we've seen, and I reckon just stable intelligence, I think Miragon will be winning the race here and sweeping this homegrown uh, Classic Series. I think Pandering is going to be the hardest to run past because uh, he'll have the front, and that's going to be worth its weight in gold. Might go a little bit quicker, a little bit slower, depending on what they think is the best opportunity to, to try and upend Miragon. I've thrown in for third Beale Street, who I think is a very handy horse. Beale Street was exceptionally good in the slightly faster of the two qualifiers for this series um, on day Bill will only be improved by the outing. And um, without the Tar goes in for fourth. Without the Tar can win, but I just think the fact that Beale Street was probably a slightly superior run without the Tar led on that occasion and won't lead here, there's just a couple of little little obstacles. I do think Miragon will be winning 10, 3, 8 and 5. First leg of the quarter the Allied Express pace for M1 to M2 horses.
1: Uh, quite an interesting race. This is, uh, I see you probably aren't as confident as the market that Eman Maka uh, will be hard to beat. Bernie Winkle's obviously drawn well again. Craig just Saint might be one at massive odds, uh, but Anna Malik's another class runner. Phoenix Prince. It's, it's pretty tricky. TCB
0: McRae's back? What's Eman Maka paying? Uh, I'll drag that up for us, but I yeah. think he's you know short enough. Really? I think so. I'll have a look. Um, I thought it was a three-horse race primarily here. Nine, three, one, and eight. The M1 to M2s every single week seem to be just exceptional races and no exception here. We've seen plenty of Bernie Winkle v. E-Mean Macker under these circumstances. So I we was know-
1: completely wrong. animalix <laughs> still dollar 90.
0: Yep. Um, sort of has to be. Group one golden nugget winner. Uh, E-Mean I actually marked it quite a bit longer than that uh, Anna Malik. I think it's a so basically we've totally Mac is two sixty so shorter as well. Yeah, So they're saying it's a two horse race. What's Bernie Winkle paying? Eight bucks. Yeah, interesting because fifty one b- courageous saint. Bernie Winkle gave Emo Mac a real scare last time out and if there's more pressure in this race um, the last two starts, though. I think he's done the same thing. He sort of got there, but can't. Right I get past that, and I get that. That's why I've marked him five yeah. bucks. I mean, if you didn't know the horse, yeah, you'd say that they were nearly equal yep. based on what they did. So, I mean, we know that Bernie Winkle has a habit at this level of probably getting close without getting past. TCB McCray thirty four dollars. I marked him twelve. He's been trolling quite well without setting the world on fire. I think you know he'll be given a relatively soft run here. Emain he Maca leads Bernie Winkle behind the leader Anna Malik. The question I have about Anna Malik. He, is it a breeze horse? Because it's probably going to have to be go up and now occupy the position outside the leader. They won't do a lot once he gets there, I wouldn't have thought. But that little sprint up in the final 600 metres, I think you just end up outclassing slightly Emane Macker, who's so brave and so courageous, but he did lack a little bit of penguin asked to go. He was very courageous at the end of his race, but just that touch of penguin asked to go last time out. Bernie Winkle, I think, can win the race potentially if they go... Um, if they go very quick at the top end. And Phoenix Prince is a clear fourth pick for mine. I just, has to, I, I just think they have to follow through along the poles and hope for an enormous amount of luck to be a genuine winning chance. But if not a winning chance, then definitely a must-include in your exotic investments, nine three one and eight first first leg of the quaddy. The Golden Rain
1: free-for-all is the sixth. Goes it just after, or just on half seven. Rishi's your likely favourite,
0: and you've tipped him earlier in the program, so I assume you're sticking with him. You know what I reckon? I reckon he might actually find the front. Um, yeah, I don't think that burn a hole in my pocket uh, will probably go forward again early because I, up Adam just wanted to hand up to anything last week and um, Vinny Chase was the one I think uh, Kate Gath might read the play here and go forward. Village Safari and Foreign Glow will take no meaningful part early. Brallos pass rolls forward potentially. Brallos pass could find the front, but I don't think the way he's gone at his last couple of starts would indicate that he's you know in the zone enough that you'd want to be handing up to him. V Rock. Maybe, but I don't think so. I think he goes back and Rishi rolls forward. Normally has to occupy the breeze. In fact, almost every time he goes around, he occupies the breeze. But I reckon if Lance puts the foot down here, he might be able to find the front.
1: Avant-garde theory. Yeah. Is there another horse that could find the front? You haven't mentioned yet?
0: I've named every horse in the front row. Yep, you have. You're going with V-Rock, maybe? Nope. Who?
1: A horse you might not have mentioned yet.
0: Van Vandanta? Yeah. Just whips around them. Just gets up underneath them, merely, Follows through, burn a hole in my pocket. No, you wouldn't be... I, I, with all due respect, mm. and this is actually, and I'm probably talking out of school here, so I'm going to keep this brief. <laughs> this is what I don't like about the last four prize money system because how does Van Danta draw the worst in this race? Yeah, no, fickle. He's a C4, M1 tackling M2 to M5s who were C9, C15, C13, C11s. There's no way in the world you'd hand up to Van Danta. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Rishi's the one to beat. Um and dominantly so for mine, the way he's racing at the moment, over number five, Brullo's Pass, who, uh, you know, you go back to the run, you know, four starts back where he just about knocked over San Callum when ahead of the mill, drew a cup, but he's a very good horse. Uh, V-Rock is uh, a horse who is pretty one-dimensional and needs to come with one run, but um, you know, circumstances might suit here if things don't work out for Rishi, and in for fourth, I've thrown in Van Danta because I think he's racing so well, he's, he's in the zone at the moment, but I don't think you'd be winning and I don't think you'd be fine in the front. Seven, five, six, and eight in the golden rain. Race seven on the card is the Empire Stones thick bread homegrown.
1: No it's not. It's the Metropolitan Platinum pace second heat. For the Metropolitan Maidens, Tam Mage is
0: a very short price favourite. Have you has this been a setup? Have you done that on purpose twice? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. Eight seven nine uh, yeah, okay. Eight, seven, <laughs> nine and five. Tam Mage is the moral of the night. Drawn inside the second row over the short course trip, they might offer us a little price. Like I reckon a dollar forty would be a price. Yeah, okay. He can't get beaten. He's he's just so much better than these horses, Ter Major. And he's had an exceptional campaign, third in the country clubs championship final last up behind July Chevy and of course Van Danta. In for second is your horse, Illawong Maestro, who again was an absolute eye catcher last weekend. Probably I think it goes back here. You might suspect they'll go forward. Um has had some success yeah, going forward. No but opinion. I, look, I think he's I think he's going second best at anything in the race. Most of the rest went around behind Max Gold. At uh, Bendigo last up, which doesn't seem to be, you know, A-grade form line for a, a $20,000 Metropolitan Maiden uh, heat affair. Uh, I threw him what you're waiting for. For third, I thought the trailing draw wasn't too bad for him. And for fourth, I'm a Shadow I'm Shadow Boxer, who dashed home better than anything else in that race that I've just referenced behind Max Gold. But um, if you're having one, you know, if you want one at the trots tonight at Tabcourt Park Mountain, you can roll through a few multis, 10 majors, the one eight seven nine and 5.
1: Uh, race eight on the card is the last league of the Quaddy the Elder Baron Park trot and uh Lepo Murphy's back the uh, the horse that we just can't line up. Arnie Poppy's drawn the pole. Um,
0: interesting that Chris Alford will drive on fast forward. Yeah, but Aunty Poppy gets another A-plus grade driver. The Candyman jumps on Aunty Poppy, and she's the one to beat for mine. I've got her on top. Her run last week, again, was absolutely exceptional behind Claudius Prince and also War Spirit. Uh, flying at the moment, since being paired with, you know, elite-level drivers, two exceptional wins, and then a fantastic third place getting last weekend. She couldn't be going any better. I've got her on top of Aleppo Murphy, who's a Mercurial customer. First up from a break without a trial, Hard to know exactly what to make of him. But one thing you do know is if he brings his A game, he might be able to blow these away. War Spirit goes in for third, second in that same race I previously referenced behind Claudius Prince and Wellworth uh, throwing in the mix here. And for fourth on Fast Forward, just ahead of its stable, mate, on our 2010. But if I'm having a bet in the race, I'm playing straight out the one, Auntie Poppy. Best value on the card, one five four at 9.
1: Race 9 on the card is the Neville R Stud 3-year-old. Pace final for the 3-year-old CO's Good Race This Wild Man. Likely to come up favourite, but Glen Averill King is a progressive
0: type. Major Delico, better exclusive, is an interesting runner. It's a really tough race for him, and I'm glad it's not in the quarter. I'm going with Man on top. I only had a couple of runs for team making, and has gone pretty well at both. Was well-driven last time out in dictated terms, but no reason why I can't do so. Again, Valiant Charger gets across early. Wild Man takes the advantage, just as he did in his qualifier. And from there, I'm not sure anything he is good enough to come from well off the speed and run him down and I don't think the ones that will be really close to him apart from potentially Glenn King who might be forced to breeze in transit could run him down. I've thrown him for second Major Delico, um, son of Men Delico, not quite Heaven Rocks is he Major Delico but um, he's a stable mate of my top tip and I just think you will get a nice, uh, a nice run through that trailing drawer. Or he's got six year old drawer. written all over him. He'll, he'll develop I reckon. Let's hope so. For all concerned, Glen Averill King goes in for third and for fourth. Pantano Stride caught mm. the eye with a with a big finish first up from a break to qualifier for this series. I, I thought this was confusing. If I'm having a bet, it's straight out on the wild man, the son of the good times, four nine five and 7. The penultimate is the
1: IRT pace final. Uh, again, pretty even race this, but a couple of class runners off
0: the back, Heaven in Loxley and Hull in the end. Absolute ripper race this, 12, 13, 10, and 7. Heaven in Loxley produced an amazing finish in circumstances where he shouldn't have been able to do it... Is he trolling punters at this point? Oh, he is a little bit. Um, but, un- look, it was just an exception. I think part of the part of the thing with him is people know he's a quote-unquote good horse, right? Yeah. So he keeps getting put into races. The one time Beck Bartley drove him conservatively, the punters blew up. Mm. But this, is obvi- this might be the best way. This is the way to drive him, isn't it? Because he's obviously got devastating speed. They walked in this race. He was three poles, popped out, and just went whooshka. Um... He'll need some fortune again from out there, but so many of the major chances are out there. Huli in the end was very good. Um, Boy from Bondi might have been one of your favourite clubs, a go-to slow club, I reckon, in the qualifier for this series. When the momentum kicked in and Huli in decided to start to really go after Boy from Bondi, he reacted too slowly. It took him too long to wind up, but his previous runs were all very good. And he actually wasn't bad, despite being beaten as favourite last time out. I reckon one of the three will win. I'll throw in Best of Beauty for fourth, but... Running out of chances, you would have thought, got defeated by Villarreal in the alternate qualifier for this series, 12, 13, 10 and 7 in the penultimate. And the racing office have tucked away an absolute ripsnorder for the last, the tab multiplier, four-year-old trot. How did you see it? I reckon Parisian Opera is going to bomb them at the start, and from there I reckon she's the one to beat. It's a, You're right, it's a really good race. The Great Redeemer and Anywhere Hugo are both racing particularly well. Um, Aleppo Jewel's getting back to her very best of recent times, but I just think from a speed map perspective, given there's not much between the top four in the race, and there's only four winning chances, Parisian Opera, if it's able to bomb them here, so long as a horse like the Great Redeemer doesn't go up straight away and go, I'm just going to try and bully you into submission, uh, I reckon Parisian Opera's the one to beat, and I reckon we might get just a little price. Seven, six, five, and two in the last. Probably can't win here, but I've got a bit
1: of a thing for Elder Baron JT.
0: Going well. Yep. Give us your best. Uh, best in the program. I reckon the middle two legs of the you should be taken care of relatively comfortably. Race six, number seven. Rishi and race seven, number eight. Tam Major shouldn't be getting beaten. My best value on the program, there's a couple of them. Parisian Opera in the last, and Auntie Poppy in the eighth, so sticking with the Square Gators. And if you want a ruffy, I reckon... If a couple of things went wrong for Watchlist and Ward and wasn't at his best, then Sumerian Artist might come up a really big price and is worth an each-way investment in the DNA Logistics Pace final the third on the card. Enjoy the day. You too.